0: You're listening to Talent Hacks for Scale-Ups, the show for people building HR and talent functions at scale-ups whilst moving at the speed of light. Hey, what's up you crazy kids? This is Theo bringing you Talent Hacks for Scale-Ups. The show where we share hacks from industry leaders that are building HR and talent functions at Europe's top scale-ups whilst in mid-flight. This is the start of our FinTech series which we zero in on challenges that you face. Today, we're joined by Sophie Thien. The queen of fintech. Sophie will be sharing stories from running people and HR functions at some of the fastest moving fintechs. and No other than Revolut, 11FS, and now Oakham. Welcome to the show. Enjoy. Ah, Sophie Dean! Welcome to a new podcast. Amazing to have you on. I've had the pleasure of interviewing you before. Um, you are hugely respected within our space, and uh, it is an absolute privilege to have you on.
1: For those few
0: people who don't know who you are, what you do, what you're about, can you introduce for sure. yourself? Sure.
1: Um, thanks for thanks for having me. When you say like lots of people know me, I think that's definitely a bit of an overkill. But also because we're definitely in a better mood because it's the end of the week, it's Friday, yada yada yada. Um, A little bit about me, Um, I started off in recruitment about 10 years ago, Uh, never really thought that I would do recruitment, fell into it, absolutely fell in love with it, and have just never really looked back since. And um, since then, I've been in, um, I've I've done the corporate side of things, and then in about the last um, five to six years, I was predominantly just in fintech um, startups, started off my first role um, in the startup world with um, Revolut, so that was a bit of an experience. Um, and then I just kind of went on from there, and I did a little bit of a detour outside of fintech, and then realized, you know what, my heart is in fintech. I'm gonna go back into it, and then here we are. I'm in um, I'm in Oakham at the moment. Uh, we do micro lending, obviously, um, you know, specifically even more relevant right now because of the pandemic. Um, so it's been very very rewarding to be on this side of the fence to look at to look at how we can help our customers better as well as, you know, on the journey of um, completely digitizing our business. So um, all in all, that's, um, you know, that's uh, in a nutshell what I've been doing and how I've been busy in the last 10 years.
0: Amazing. Right. Sophie, before we get going into anything else, I've kind of got three quick fire questions, which is kind of, yeah, kind of to uh, understand, you know, how kind of, um, how much the scale up kind of fintech element of you is really ingrained in uh, kind of superhuman powers of recruiter in that space? Uh, so <laughs> I might be overdoing this <laughs> So Sophie, if you were to pick between Slack, Teams, or Discord, where you at? Out Slack. Ha <laughs> ha! You got it. And um, so Mac, Windows, or yeah, I don't even
1: need to finish that sentence. I go with a Mac.
0: <laughs> good good i'm still getting my head around it by the way so i'm like a newbie uh in this Mac space uh making lots of mistakes as i go so uh finally ats or hris
1: uh, this is a hard one i toss between the both because i also usually have to choose between the both um but i would go with the hris i think there is it's a lot more fun Ooh. Um yeah, I think it's a lot more fun because it's like a clunk not I wouldn't say sorry, I wouldn't use the word clunky. I think it's a bigger piece than the ATS and it touches more of the area. So I if I were to go deep into um any of the analysis, I would pick a HRIS.
0: Wow. Whoa! That's that's incredible. But no, I get your point. And uh and I guess it's all about the yeah. data, right? For you? You need to be able to track what you need to make the right decisions, know where exactly. you're going. <laughs> Exactly. So, so so that's good. Thanks for that. So you are definitely at the cutting edge, right? We, You've just admitted it there. Just by answering those questions, you were at the coalface uh, there, Sophie Thien. Um, so a uh, question. You started out as an engineer. That's right. I know we discussed this before, and I've heard you talk about this, kind of making the pivot, which I was <laughs> recently considering. And hey, yo, that ain't a pivot. This is a pivot. Tell us a little bit yeah, more about
1: um, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I graduated from engineering, and um, I I love like um it 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 comes from home and and I've just always been surrounded by 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 that kind of um environment. Um, my brother did it, and it and it was in um automotive. So. Like I absolutely love what I was studying and what I was learning. Um, but then there were definitely aspects as I was growing up older, I was like, this is not as fun as I thought it would be, right? Um there was definitely I, I was um I was in mechanical, so so you know, you, you had I had areas of um like I just had times of torment when I was like, I cannot be studying refrigeration anymore. Anymore. I cannot see this word and I absolutely hate it. And it was a real struggle to get past it because you know when you when you're in uni and you, you you pick a major, but they tell you what you need to study. And this was like you know we're talking about ten years ago, and um, you know there's there's not that many electives anyway. So my uni was a very bland, um, somewhat painful experience uh, to get through to get through that four years. And then as I came out, I really hit. Um, uh, it was it was. It was uh, it was a time where no graduates would get a job. It was scarce um, and it was a time where it was a financial crisis as well. And it was kind of like I could either bum around and wait for the right opportunity to 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 fall through um, or apply for thousands and thousands of graduate role or. I can take this role right now in a small startup. Funny story, it's like a, you know, it's like a a, a coming back round to the circle. Um, My first real job was in a startup. It was three people, um, one founder, and I was an uh, IT recruiter. And that was how it all started.
0: Brilliant. And do you think that that kind of engineering piece, because, you know, kind of has built the way that you approach recruitment, kind of that kind of methodical, structured Data driven approach to decisions. Um, I make.
1: think I think part and parcel, definitely. I think it's shaped the way I am very critical about how I make decisions, based on a very uh, data driven mindset. But I think, um, particularly when I first started off in in recruitment, I think I think most of us could agree that recruitment is probably um, one of the 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 more fun way of looking at HR, right? Because there's a lot of people you talk to, you meet great people. Sometimes you don't meet a great candidate, but most of the time you're talking to excellent people who you end up learning a lot from, right? And and when I was doing that, I never ever thought that I would be able to apply what I've learned in uni um, professionally in, in the job that I was doing. I think it was more until... I started um, when I went into IBM, and when I was started looking at resource management, I realized there was a much better way of implementing this particular project. Um, and then I started bringing back that analysis. And then as I as I ventured and you know ventured into HR, it became even more um, prominent and important to me that oh, actually, if I was a little bit more critical when I make decisions like this, it could help the business make a much better decision in the end that just does, that doesn't just fall into my area or me alone. So yeah, in in a way, at least for the first 5 years maybe not, um but right now especially even up to today it's probably one of the most important skill that I've learned from uni.
0: Wow. And I mean we we've, we we've talked about this before, but actually uh, do you think that also helps kind of being able to have the the evidence, I guess, being able to have the platform to then be able to influence those senior stakeholders within what what for you has been some kind of incredible organisations that I guess were moving rapidly um, and, and probably needed quick decisions. Yeah, right?
1: absolutely. I, I definitely would not lie. Um... You know, you, you know, most of the time we hear, um, I think it's very unfair, to be honest. I mean, I obviously didn't come from a linear path and, and I didn't study a lot of the things that people came out of uni and was already equipped to do. It was very difficult for me to even be taken very seriously, right? Because they would say, you've never done this before. How would you be able to say this now? Um, and there was a lot of proving points over the years, but then it also came to a point where I realized, you know what, this is a strength. Um, for me to be taken seriously um, in front of people who never took an opportunity or the time to even understand what does employee engagement actually mean, but if my data was actually correlating to you know financial um, uh, financial metrics, right? We're talking about losing people. We're talking about uh, cost of hire. But beyond that, we're also talking about cost of retention. Then we looked at well being, and the more um, the more I'm able to pull data together. Because it became a universal language, the easier it was for me to actually influence my stakeholders that that was the right thing we have done for the business because because you don't just say lightly that um, you are only as good as your people, it's got to mean something, and that was a, a that was a way for me to be able to relate it back to them and go. If your business is just as good as your people, now these are all the data that can help us make better people decisions. So, you know, I try to play around with it. I had lots of failures um, through, through and then, but it, was, it, it came to a realization, um, especially when I was in a startup environment, that this, this is probably one of the biggest strengths that I should be bringing to the table no matter what.
0: And I kind of feel I'm going to say something now, and I feel like there's going to be a noise, kind of a uh, uh, that's going to come when I say it, which is yeah. And also, you've worked within like the fintech industry. There must be like really regulated and tough and difficult to to get some things through, right?
1: No, not at all. Look, look. Um, what I would say is, if if I was in a bank, probably different, right? But that's but being in a bank is actually no different from from being in any corporate environment. We, we talk about the red tapes in the corporate environment. It's simply because they have better governance, I dare I say. But at the same time, you know, we, we, we squirm every time we hear the word procurement because it scares us. Because it's like my team has already done all the hard work to push this analysis through. We are looking at three HRIS. Um, it doesn't matter what are the cost, But at the end of the day, you should trust that the HR team has already done their very best in terms of their uh, due diligence this is when the red tape happens because there's a procurement process, there's a governance process there, there's layers and layers of approval before it gets to the final point. Now, when you're in a FinTech, you just treat it as any other startup. There's just one, not enough people to tell you no, that's, that's for sure. And you can take that for granted because everyone's far too busy. Um, and then on the other hand, it's a perfect blank canvas to actually make the right decisions to start with. So you've got to be accountable to yourself to, to, to make those good decisions, convince your stakeholders, convince your um, influence, the rest of the business that this is right, and then you go for it. So in a way, is, is a regulated environment um, the, the, the limitation of actually doing good HR work? I say absolutely no.
0: Cool. So if there's no barriers, well, not no barriers, there's always barriers, but if there's li- less limited barriers, fintech is, is not maybe the over-regulated place. It's going through the roof. I see fintech companies doing fantastically well in the current climate. Um, Then probably with the normal tenure of people in roles these days, a couple of years, dependent on age demographics and what have you, who cares what technology exactly. you pick, right? Let's just pick what mate over there picked. Because in two years, I'll be gone anyway, so it don't matter.
1: True. True. Yeah. I mean, this makes me crazy. Awkward. No. Well, no, I know it's
0: that's, but do you think that happens? Do you think maybe some decisions are just too difficult to make and they they need to be made too quickly, and therefore choices around ATS, HRS, or whatever are just being made, and people are getting left with what their predecessor Mm
1: -hmm. had? Yeah, I think I think so, definitely. I mean, I personally myself have walked into places where I'm like, How did you let this um unravel until today and how how did it happen? Like what were, you know, what was going through your head when you've made the decision to sign up on something that you're now stuck for the next three years? I can't help you. And I think I think I think instances like that are, are definitely due to the fact that earlier, you know, one of the reasons, like I said, when you go into a startup, the reality is, one, people are far too busy, right? Which means if it's your decision, it falls onto your plate, you better damn well make a very good decision about it because no one else is going to do that for you. And then on the other hand, it's when people are so busy, they, re- they deprioritize things that at, right at that particular moment might not be the most important to you, right? So, so take an example. I now come into a place, it's hyper growth, super busy, scaling up they've never had an ATS system before, right? And so the first thing that you are tasked to do is I need you to go and implement an ATS as fast as possible so that you don't have um, CVs, you know, data like that uh, missing out. You know what people you know what people do without an ATS. They send CVs through Slack. They send it to each other, print something out, and we all know that's not right. And so what you then do immediately is you sit in front of your, your laptop and you go, okay, my only priority, it sounds like is, I want to implement something that is one light version not clunky takes a very short period um, um, time to implement and also super easy to use so that i can go 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 we've done it tick box let's carry on and that's fair that's absolutely fair because you were tasked to do that but if you have some sort of bandwidth to 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 actually you know further analyze this a little bit is this going to be useful for the next 12 months if not for the next 24 months now, regardless where you put your stopping point and where you draw the line, you still need to have some recognition. Right now for the next 12 months, I don't care what happens, I need this in in the next 2 weeks and I need this to support and sustain the business for the next 12 months. And then you put a and then you put a reminder at least even if you know you're not going to be there for the 12 months. Make sure your team recognizes that. Okay, here are the tools. Continue to analyze this. If it doesn't work, um, make sure you get yourself out of it. And then when you sign the contract, also let's not tie yourself in just because of a teeny peeny um, um, discount. Normally, we people get caught into large, long contracts is because of the discount. Trust me, nobody likes to be in a nobody likes to be in a contract for three years unless it's a very good reason, which is the discount, right? You're a startup; it's scrappy. You know, whatever you can save, you try to save, and so if you're in a position and you're being told okay i'm going to give you 50% discount if you sign for the next 3 years and you go perfect i've saved the company half the money i don't need to worry about this this is not my problem anymore i'll pass it on to whoever my successor is and that's the real reason why you get stuck into places like that i'm sure you've gone through you know um that kind of emotions yourself when you go into a place and you're like how 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 have you been using this and and even more so you also see teams where They've already signed on to something. This already exists in their ecosystem for the last, what, 12, two years, whatever, however long it is. They still don't know how to properly use this tool. And I've seen that far too many times as well. And so this is the reason, right? Because you signed on to something and you've made a decision based on um, that particular priority in time. You can't help it. It happens.
0: Definitely. So when you've got a short amount of time and you're making big decisions um around technology because technology as we're discussing now can be both the enabler and the disabler right it can it can have such a negative impact on you as well as a positive impact and actually so much so I've experienced it where you implement something that's supposed to be better and help you more but actually it creates more problems than you had before yeah. so you it gives you a lot of pain but it may just be in areas that you weren't having pain in before so you think oh this is this hurt my right arm right arm left right arm hurts right I'm gonna fix my right arm but by doing it I've broken my left arm you yeah. know and it's like "How? what how can do that? Yeah. What would be your advice then for, for 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 people uh within kind of fast-moving companies to be able to get the balance between extracting that data getting that data understanding what the real pain points are um but quickly enough that they can, can then get the technology in and get things moving
1: yeah for sure um I, I would just say when you are in an early stage, you actually don't have enough historic data to make those decisions, right? Um, you know, unless you walk into a place of 10 years and then, you know, something, something in there that has not worked for the last five, then it's quite an easy like, decision to make. But when you go into a startup, they don't have enough historic data. You really, really have to make sure that you're not the only person making that decision. You've got to be able. It's just like everywhere else. If you don't have enough detail, what do you do? Your first thing is you go and do a focus group, and this is this one thing that you cannot be lazy to to do when you when you're in that kind of environment. Um, what I would say is, um, you want to do a, a focus group. You want to ask. Your stakeholders, whoever that have been users of that particular area, that vacuum that has already been created, before you decide how to solve that problem. If you don't feel like you've got enough information of what is the real problem to solve, then keep finding that problem. Yes, fair enough. You are going to come across um, tons and tons of pressure that this needs to happen yesterday already. That's the environment in a startup. But still, you have to be responsible enough to go and find as much as possible to make a well-sounded um, and informed decision. So ever so often when you get caught up in an, uh, a place where it's, it's, there's not enough time, like you don't even have time, enough time to have lunch, it's way too busy, it's growth, 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 growth. If you don't, you don't stop and think about the real problem that you're trying to solve, you're guaranteed to make a wrong decision. And this is what I always tell my team or anyone else that I come across, even to myself, I ask myself, what is the real, what is the problem I'm trying to solve? Is it admin? For example, you hear people say that there's tons of admin. There's not enough people in the HR team. Let's go and find something that is smarter so that we don't do that. Or on the other hand, look, I don't want my team to do, to, to do mundane tasks. It's repetitive. It's not motivating. And I want them to have headspace. Um, to start learning things that are more strategic, right? That I want them to be able to solutionize if they, do, if they don't have to use all their time in a day to just push out contracts, paperwork. When you hire 30 people in a week, that's what you do. All week, that's all you do. Onboarding, paperwork, 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 paperwork. And that's the most important thing. So really scale back and then zoom out to think what is the real problem you're trying to solve.
0: Brilliant. And you mentioned, just coming back to the kind of the ATS, HRIS uh, thing, Um, on that basis then, if you're making a decision at the very early stage, what should I pick, Um, uh, and without getting into specifics, like uh, there's plenty of them out there, Um, do you pick then an ATS Uh, after you've picked your hris and do you consider the way that those two will interact and work together not just around everything else that's going around your organization and your yeah
1: um so the ideal world is the blank canvas there is no hris there's no ats perfect right you go out you find the two that are the perfect match for each other and then you marry them together and then it's happy days after that or you come into situations where one already exists uh, before the other. Um, and and so what what I always want to do is I want them to both work. Now we are in a better place now that's because because of all the competition. We still see HRIS that actually has an element of ATS, and that's brilliant. I love it. Like, Ten years ago, we definitely have not seen this. So this is something that I'm super excited about. The more we can get them um, together, integrated in one single one-stop shop, the better it is. But until we get more choices like that, I definitely go for I definitely go for the one that will integrate into my the the one that existing uh, the the one that exists right now. Always, the integration is probably one of the biggest criteria for me to look at
0: yeah i guess the only problem is when you both you join a new company and let's say you're the you're the head of recruitment recruitment manager ta person whatever and you've got a hr person and they really want this hrs and you really want that ats and you're like awkward they don't like yeah, each other. Yeah. And
1: that, that, that's why that's why it's so important to make sure to make sure you find one that integrates right at the end of the day if just like everywhere, everywhere else, when you're, the, when you're the new person to walk into a new place, you want to make sure you play nice. You don't just come in and say, you know what, I know better. Now everybody can, can, can heal. Like that's not how it works even in life. So it's the same as picking the new uh, platform it just needs to work with the other one, or unless you have a really good, compelling reason to debunk the other one that already exists, and then the both of you can 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 move forward together in a much more improved way. So that could be an option as well.
0: Brilliant. Um. So, kind of uh, bringing this to a nice, neat close. Um. Do you think there's a for the listeners? Um. Do you think there's a huge difference then? Um. With a fintech organization, kind of a scale-up starter. And other laterally associated organizations, do you think there's any key differentiators, or do you think these rules are, are pretty much the same, no matter what uh, type of scale up it is?
1: Yeah, definitely. I, um, there, there's actually not a lot of difference. Like I said earlier, I did a detour, I came out of fintech, and then I went into a different company, different completely different industry, um, and then came back and no. Um, I think the beauty of being in in HR and and recruitment and talent is that it is so versatile that you can apply all your best practices and what, whatever that you've learned in um, in almost every single industry that you tap into. I think I think for recruitment is probably just a little bit slightly more advantageous if you're if you're from um, an industry that you're familiar with, it's because of the network, right? It's easier to find the candidates. I find it I find that easier myself as well. Um, but no the beauty of hr is it's so versatile go into whatever um whatever industry you love go go for your passion work wherever and whatever that you've learned is basically one size fits all
0: love it that's brilliant so
1: to kind of round
0: us off three takeaways sophie what would be the three takeaways listeners uh, can have as a gift from you
1: um i would say i would say um don't be appalled by the word HR I think we we deliver and we add a lot of value to businesses and sometimes it, it breaks my heart to hear people say that that shouldn't be like a career choice um, I mentor I mentor young 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 girls and and young women for, for for a couple of the universities and a lot of them kind of feel like they want to go into a HR role it's because it's how do I say it it's It's almost like they're trying to say it's more feminine because it's less competitive, and I hate for people to think that because you can make it as competitive as you want it's 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 your choice and and I think that is also one of the reasons why we constantly have to struggle with um you, with struggle with the stigma that h r doesn't have a seat at the table. It's almost like we've decided to give up before we even win the battle. Um, So, so that, that's, that's, that's my real advice for anybody out there. And I mean, just look at, look at me, right? I didn't come from HR and I definitely went through, went through a little bit of a hell um, when people just wouldn't take me seriously. They were like, well, you didn't do this in uni. Surely you don't know as much, but eventually time will tell. And I put a lot of hard work in and um, I got to where I am today. And it's, it's, it's been remarkable and it's been very, very rewarding as well. So, definitely don't let um, this whole profession and the stigma put you off because when you are effectively um, bringing value to each and every single employee's life, then you'll know how rewarding this is.
0: Amazing. Love it. Just like that. Sophie, you are incredible like everyone who I meet uh, who who, uh, who knows you and, and, and watches your content, and listens to you, always uh, holds you in high regard. So, uh, you are an incredible woman in our industry doing brilliant things. Um, carry on.
1: I, I try, I try, definitely. Thank I've you. got many, many areas that I need to learn. And I am definitely still learning on a daily basis from people around me. But like I said, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. It's a path I've chosen for, for, for a decade now and I don't intend to look uh look back and say it was a regret.
0: Well, it's not looking that way <laughs> from here. Just keep going. Keep going. Well, Love it. <laughs> this episode was brought to you by Zinc who offer automated reference and background checking tools directly in your ATS. Next week, we have the second installment of the Talent Hacks for Scale-Ups Fintech series. Tune in for more Fintech insights. If you enjoyed this episode, please do like, subscribe, leave a comment or share to support the show. Thank you. You're listening to Talent Hacks for Scale-Ups, the show for people building HR and talent functions at scale-ups whilst moving at the speed of light.